Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. 39 and single, can someone help me out? He could be balding, bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball. Gay, straight, black, white, shiny eyes with an underbite. I just need Hey everyone, well, I'm going to start by saying I'm okay, but unfortunately I got bad news about my embryos. In this episode you're going to hear a lot of sadness in the first 20 minutes, but luckily after that we have an interview with a very funny woman about the hilarious topic of endometriosis. So if you want to hear the rough stuff, pop a Xanax and go for it. If you want to skip ahead, jump to 20 minutes in. Warning, this episode contains crying, which I know there's been way too much of this season, but don't blame me, blame my fucking life. (laughs) Okay, I'll be fine, I promise. So, on Tuesday morning, I went to Dr. Kalins for what I thought was going to be the first ultrasound in preparation for my transfer. He walked in and said, we got your results. You did not. You came out yesterday. Oh, no, I'm scared. Oh, my God. No, it's not right. Oh, shit. Hang on, hang on. Well, it's like not... So, there's no normals. There's no straight-up normals, okay? There are two mosaics. So, this is a whole conversation of what the mosaic is and what is what that means. But the mosaic is potentially transferable. Of them, one of them is actually potentially transferable. Okay, what's the, what's the one that's transferable? So, it's, it's a second one. It's a it's a minus nine. I, I it's potentially so. I don't know. I literally just saw this for the first time. So is it lower my medium? Or? So this is a low mosaic. So a low mosaic is the only one that is like sort of a an okay one. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a it's a monosomy part of miss nine is missing. Okay. The thing with the mosaics is like they're all. It's all individual. Which ones you can use? Which ones you can't? Like for example, yeah. this one, which is a, a missing Y. Yeah. This is one that we cannot consider. This would be a mosaic for what could be called a Turner syndrome. Yeah. But that is something that you potentially, it you could be born, like there's issues with that if you're born with it. So these are things we don't consider as possibility. Mm-hmm. The only ones we consider are either the ones where we think that either if it's going to affect it, you don't, you don't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Or if it's not going to affect it, it should be fine. Right. So I need to talk to the lab about this one. Okay. So sorry to drop that in your lab like a ton of bricks i'm sorry um well you know i mean it, it i mean it is what it is but i i wish that i was wishing it was different obviously yeah but so um i will be reaching out today to talk to the the genetics lab to see what they they say about this if they have any experience with this one in particular okay nine um, s it's on chromosome nine what's the s mean um that's that's 
a part of chromosome nine is missing. Does it say how many um, cells were mosaic or were were had the problem of the virus? Right, right. So when it's low, I think it's less than thirty percent. Okay. That's what it generally means. I don't, I don't further uh, okay. quantify it. So that's what we have. Um, um, do you guys have a genetic counselor? Through them, there's a genetic counselor. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll be talking to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we can potentially transfer this one, mm-hmm. then we're going to have a longer conversation of if we should or not. Right. So certain ones we can't at all, and then we can't. Mm-hmm. Um, certain ones we can, but if we can, there's certain risks that we have to talk about beforehand. Mm-hmm. Mosaics are, um, it's not well understood. It's possible the mosaic is born and there's issues that we don't really understand, like development issues or learning issues and all this kind of stuff. We don't, we just don't know enough about it. So, But theoretically, they happen all the time with regular children. We don't know how often they do. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Or, or do they, and that's what's, you know... And that's why people have developmental... Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Or maybe they're fine. Maybe it corrects. Maybe it's totally fine. But but we just don't know. And that's why we have to like kind of find out. But, but before we even get there, we need to kind of like learn a little more about it. So we'll do an ultrasound, just take a look and see where we're at. And then we'll um, probably get more information about this. And then we can talk. I, just, I need to talk to the data scientists to see what they say about this. And then and then we can talk about it further. And then we'll talk to a genetic counselor. Okay? Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to this. So how are you? Thank you. So then he did the ultrasound and everything looked okay. And then he told me to start taking estrogen pills, one in the morning, one at night, just in case one of the mosaics turned out to be transferable. But, you know. Listen, we don't don't know how our path goes exactly. We just got to go down it. And as far as I am concerned, this is sort of like just part of it, part of the curve. It so, sucks. It sucks. I want a baby. We're getting a baby. We're gonna get a baby. I know. I know. We're working really hard for this, and I truly believe when we work hard for things, they will pay off. Okay? It, with this information I just gave you, it said with that in mind, um, we will get there. Okay? Mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay. You can address, I will talk to you um, tonight if I get any information. Okay, okay, thank you. I'll see you. After my appointment, I went outside, burst into tears, and got into my car and talked to my mom on the phone. I just talked to my mom for an hour. A lot of crying. I'm, I'm devastated, I guess. I mean, things could be worse. I don't know. Somebody could have died. <laughs> I feel like a failure, and I kept apologizing to my mom. She didn't need me to apologize, I know, but I just feel terrible. I gotta go home and research what uh, chromosome 9 is all about. And uh, monosomy on, I'm gonna call it monosomy. (laughs) Monosomy on 9. Gotta send an email with some questions to Dr. Kalen and just get back on the horse. I would love to do the whole thing over again. Just do another cycle, start right now. But I don't have the money. Uh, So I'm going to use my frozen eggs. You know, if the doctor says that uh, I should not use the mosaic or maybe put it aside. But I I can't do IVF again, which sucks. 
A lot of people don't understand why I don't want to use those eggs. Previously, it was that I wanted to save them for my future husband because I didn't want to give up on the dream of having a child with the man that I love. But now it's more a fear that those eggs won't work, uh, that there'll be something wrong with them, and that the more I focus on them, the, more, the less time I will have. I mean, the older I'll be when I get enough money together again to do the next round of IVF. Does that make sense? Anyway, we'll be moving on to frozen eggs now. I just hope that they work. I hope that there are some normal ones in there. And I don't know what to do about the donor because, I mean, I'm sure I have sperm left over, but I don't know if I want to use his sperm anymore. I want to be mad at somebody. I want to blame him. I mean, I guess I'm supposed to blame my 41-year-old eggs, but fuck, fuck you, sperm donor. Fifteen minutes later, I recorded this. I, I, another thing I told my mom is that I, like, I'm scared that this podcast is a fucking self-fulfilling prophecy, and I'm just like creating all of this, this narrative. Like, what the fuck? If I wasn't doing this podcast, would everything be normal? Oh, obviously, I'll never know. Of course, there's just like maybe twenty, thirty percent of me that thinks that this is. This is that I'm making this happen and that I was put on this earth to, to convince women that they need to have babies earlier in their lives so that they don't have to go through all of this bullshit. But um, I don't know what to do. Well, when I got home, I posted on the Mosaic Embryo Discussion and Support Group on Facebook, and I asked anybody if they had any experience with a minus 9S low mosaic, and I got a lot of interesting responses. One woman wrote, I have a six-month-old who is a mosaic monosomy 9, amnio done at 16 weeks and full genetic screen done at three days old, and all results were fine. Someone else wrote, I'm 22 weeks with a minus 9 mosaic. She's totally healthy, no mosaicism, and perfect amnio. Another wrote, I'm transferring a minus 9 segmental low mosaic in three weeks. I would think that if all prenatal testing came back normal, then there would be no higher chance for the child to have problems versus a child from a normal embryo. Another wrote, I'm transferring an abnormal minus 9 as soon as my cycle starts. I'd transfer. Another wrote, my infant daughter began as a minus 9 mosaic embryo. She was tested, cord blood, at birth, and was determined to be genetically normal. She's cuddling with me and her daddy right now. Happy as a clam. Hey, Molly. It's Dr. Keelan. Um, I did talk to the people at Ovation. They were not very encouraging about that, uh, that one embryo. Um, apparently, there is a specific syndrome um, associated with missing that part of chromosome number 9 called Gorlin, G-O-R-L-I-N syndrome. Um, kind of hard to hear that voicemail, but what he was saying was that the data scientist at the lab said that it was not a good idea to transfer that mosaic, that the abnormality on chromosome number 9, minus 9 segmented low mosaic, uh, is associated with something called Gorlin syndrome. And Gorlin syndrome is, I'll tell you... Gorlin syndrome, also known as nevoid basal cell carcinoma syndrome, is a condition that affects many areas of the body and increases the risk of developing various cancerous and non-cancerous tumors. So, not fun. But Amanda and I had our meeting the next day, everything was great, and then I got to have my big old cry afterwards, and then I got to talk to Dr. Kalen. The minus nine in that 
it is associated with a very, relatively rare disorder. And that disorder is associated with like familiar cancers and tumor development. Like it's a big deal. Yeah. So it's not something we want to mess with. Yeah. Now, interestingly, the other one, the one that's an XO, it's a mosaic of an XO and XY. Now, uh, an XY is a male, a normal male. Uh-huh. An XO is something called Turner syndrome. Yeah. And Turner syndrome, and Turner syndrome is is a is a condition where it it, it effectively it, it looks like a, a woman, but she's short. She's associated with like some very like really wide chest, some facial features, normal mental stuff associated with like um, not, not getting a period. There's reproductive things associated with it. Mental heart so also not a not a good thing. Now the thing with that one is there are definitely normal men who have this kind of mostly XY with a little bit of XO. And so this might be one that is worth a rebiopsy. Did you hear that? He said this might be one that is worth a rebiopsy. So I think it's worth a rebiopsy of this one and the other one. We're going to be doing it. There's nothing to lose essentially by doing that. You sorry. You say you think it's okay to uh, to rebiopsy both of them. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything to lose by doing that. Nothing to lose. Yeah. Then he said, in the meantime, let's talk about your frozen eggs, which, if you remember, are at another clinic. I've been thinking a lot about the eggs, and I'm a little bit terrified of yeah. finding out that they don't work and blaming myself for transporting them. Okay. And I'm, I understand. I would be devastated if I ended up with, with, uh, sorry, that's just the scariest thing in my mind. And yeah. I, t- I talked to, I talked to a woman last week who had, um, 16 frozen eggs and none of them worked. And I just like, if that happens to me and it's with you guys, then I'm going to blame myself. <laughs> if it, it happens with them, then I'm, then I, I don't, I don't know what I'll do, but you know. I, I don't want to leave you because I think you're the best. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do one step at a time. Let's retest and see if we have it. And, and then we can figure that out. And if we retest and we decide that they're good enough and we're going to do a transfer, then great. And if we're not, then we are going to move forward with the egg as gift. And I will be, uh, I'll be watching like a hawk. <laughs> behind to make sure that everything is happening correctly with Ray. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to give up on this. We're going to make this happen one way or another. I'm so scared that I'm not going to have a baby. No, I know you are. I know you're scared. And that's a scary thought. I think that um, one way or another, we're just going to make it happen. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I feel like there's, there's reasonable ways that it's a reasonable expectation you're going to have a baby. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the fear that you're feeling is totally well-founded. You've been through a lot. If there was the most perfect, supportive, well-adjusted couple in the world, this is a really hard thing to do. Yeah. On top of that, you're doing, you're doing this you know, with the support of your family and with the support of me and whatnot, but it's, it's harder. Yeah. And so if it feels scarier, that's, I think if you weren't scared, that would be pretty weird. <laughs> that would be very weird. <laughs> it, it would be very weird. So I think that your, your fear is, uh, is reasonable and balanced. And 
Alrighty. Okay. Then I asked him if I should continue to take the estrogen in case we got good results from the re-biopsy and I could suddenly do a transfer this month. Let's not. We're putting too much, uh, like, emotion into it. Like, I don't know exactly what it's going to be. I don't know exactly what the results are going to be. Because if it comes back and it's a potentially transferable embryo, then we've got to make, we've got to make, I, I don't want to put any extra pressure on it. Okay. Uh, in terms of time. Okay. So, um, let's stop all the estrogen for now. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you so all right, much. <laughs> After that, he ordered the biopsy, and I called my mommy to fill her in. Hi there. I talked to the doctor finally. Yes. He said they're going to re-biopsy the two mosaics, just uh-huh. just just in case. Okay. And that's it. And then I told him, you know, that if it didn't work, then I'd have to go to the other place. Did he understand? Oh, yeah. I, I mean... I was crying. (laughs) I'm always crying. My mom asked a lot of questions, questions you may have about chromosomes and mosaics, and I did my best to answer her questions, but there's not enough time for all of that in this episode. So if you'd like to hear the whole conversation with my mama, you'll have to join the old Patreon. Sorry, friend. (laughs) At patreon.com forward slash spermcast. I'll also post a report, the report, from my genetics lab so you can see exactly what the results were. So, just to finish up with my business, I want to tell you how I'm feeling now. I'm pissed off. I'm happy every time I'm distracted, and I'm able to laugh and have a good time. But every time I remember all of this, I feel like I've gotten punched in the gut. This experience has been the first time in this entire journey that I've actually worried that I'm not going to have a baby. That I won't ever be pregnant or give birth or breastfeed. I have clothes in my closet that I've had for years and years that I've held on to because I wanted to wear them while pregnant. Hippie clothes I used to wear in college that people always used to tell me I looked pregnant in. I've got those clothes ready to go. And now I'm afraid I'll never get to wear them. In fact, I'm so afraid I'm not going to have a baby that I'm scared to even imagine it's possible now. Which fucking sucks. I'm scared to imagine my future with a baby like I've always allowed myself to do. Because I'm scared it's going to make it that much harder if after all of this it turns out that it's never going to happen. Ugh, and there's no way to know how any of this is going to end. And here's another new thought I'm having. I never thought I would do embryo adoption or use a donor egg, but now I'm realizing how badly I want to get pregnant. And I mean, I know I've been talking about how badly I want to be pregnant this whole time, but I just, I didn't know it was strong enough to consider these options. And now it is. Yes, I'll adopt if I can afford it and I'll foster if I can't. But I also want to get pregnant and will continue to try to make that happen no matter what. Fuck. Ugh. Somehow. Anyway, look, I'm done. Thank God. And I have some good news too, okay? My life isn't just shit, shit, shit. Two bits of good news. One, I'm going to be on TV tonight, everybody. The Connors on ABC tonight, as in October 8th at 8 p.m. And it was so fun to shoot. 
I mean, like one of my favorite acting experiences ever. I only had one itsy bitsy line, but I got to be on the old Roseanne set that I fucking grew up watching for three days and watch the incomparable Lori Metcalf effortlessly make magic out of her lines. It was the coolest. And the other good news is that my Airbnb is officially legal. My landlord signed an affidavit so that I can register the Airbnb with the city and now I don't have to live in fear that I have to move. These are wonderful things. You know what else is a wonderful thing? Well, she's a human. She's my guest for today. Her name is Ariane Price. She's an actor and a writer and a groundling, and here she is. Oh, okay. Tell the audience what I'm So right now, Molly is <laughs> dipping a beautiful bowl of green crisp apples into a small little measuring cup, but it's like porcelain and has flowers on it of peanut butter. And she says she goes through like a peanut butter jar a week. Did you try the apple? I did. It's delicious. It's, it's still good. <laughs> I know. And I think... Sometimes the grinding nuts can be too, too tart. I like tart. <laughs> mm. Ariana without the uh. Yeah. Ariana Huffington without the uh. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Or the Huffington. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or is your last name Huffington? No, I wish. Okay. Ariana Huffington would be fun. <laughs> your last name is Price. Yes. Correct? First audience, I told Ariane right when she walked in, you're going to have to be great and fun today because I don't want to talk about mm. any of my shit. Okay. It's not good. Okay. And so I filled Ariane in on all of my shit and she agreed to make this show all about her shit instead. First of all, I met you doing your headshots years yes. ago. How many years ago was that? Uh, I don't want to see. I, that's where I don't want to go. <laughs> that's not my We're both happy actors. Place. She yeah. is a, one, a senior Groundling. So I'm a groundling. You're a groundling. Yeah. But you are like... You've been, I'm the senior groundling, you which does the, not mean I'm the... You're not the age oldest. oldest. I'm not, actually. You've just I don't been there think. the longest. Which is not necessarily a badge of honor. It shouldn't... It's not? No, because other people aren't there because they're doing things like winning Academy Awards and being on Saturday Night Live. Oh, I see. Uh, I yeah. see. Ironically, when I moved to LA 20-some years ago... Yeah. I literally said to the universe, if I can have a child and mm-hmm. be a main comper, company member of the Groundlings, mm-hmm. that is what I want, universe. Oh, my gosh. It happened. Amazing. And then you become a Groundling and you realize, oh, people are winning Academy Awards and moving on from all now. this stuff. So that was like, oh, I guess I should have, you know, asked for some other things. <laughs> well, you can still ask. There wasn't like a time limit. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, I, mean, yeah. I hope ta- not. Ta- I, I just don't like time. Going by. Me neither. It's a real shocker. Yeah, fuck time. Yeah. <laughs> fuck it. It's really fucking with me. Yeah. So, yeah, we're in the same boat acting. Wise. We actually see each other at auditions a which lot. Which is really fun and I, I like enjoy. That. I like that. Yeah. So you have a child. I have a 13-year-old, which is mind-blowing. One and no others? Yes, and I can explain as to why all of that is. Okay. Yeah. So the reason you're here today is because you've experienced a lot of uh, some extreme endometriosis or just and fibroids okay baby (laughs) let's get into it yes (laughs) i'm gonna tell you my gynecological journey first tell me what endometriosis is so when you have your period every month yeah you your womb creates a soft cushy layer of endometrial tissue yeah which is all sorts of tissuey bloody Mm. soft baby making Mm -hmm. stuff nurturing Mm -hmm. stuff right you don't have a baby it all comes out yes when you have endometriosis for some reason Mm -hmm. there's many theories that tissue grows outside of the uterus Mm -hmm. on your intestines Mm. in on your stomach 
like everywhere. So guess what? It also bleeds every month into your body. Oh my God. And internal bleeding is very painful. Then it just kind of dries up and causes scar tissue. And that all just causes a big old mess. Oh my God. And the only way you can be diagnosed with endometriosis is a laparoscopy, is them physically seeing it. Okay. So I did that. And I also had a bunch of fibroids. Recently, I went to my doctor now at age 45 and he said, you got a bag of fibroids. Come on. A bag. Okay, a start from the top. We have to go to the beginning, <laughs> the beginning of this whole story. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I had endometriosis, which meant that my whole... Did, when did you find that out? That's the thing. Oh. So the average time it takes for a woman to get properly diagnosed is like 10 years because people say things to you like, ah, it's just painful being a woman. And it's like, <laughs> I'm experiencing internal bleeding and labor pains. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, not yeah. normal. It's not cramps. No. And it's one in 10 women have it. Yes. I just read that two minutes before you walked in the door. Yes. I was like, oh shit, I better look up. In yeah. The Here's a little more of what I read two minutes before she walked in the door. Endometriosis is estimated to affect approximately 1 in 10 women of reproductive age. Up to 30 to 50% of women with endometriosis may experience infertility. The delay in diagnosis was recorded as 9.2 years in the North American Endometriosis Association survey of 4,000 members. This includes a delay in the patient seeking help from a physician for an average of 4.67 years and a delay of 4.61 years in the physician making a diagnosis of endometriosis. A whole range of problems may result from this delay in diagnosis, including deterioration of patients' quality of life, progression of the disease, the impact of absence of an explanation of pain, and the financial burden on the budget of medical services. What are the symptoms of endometriosis? Pain before and during periods, pain during sex, infertility, fatigue, painful urination during periods, painful bowel movements during periods, other gastrointestinal upsets such as diarrhea, constipation, and nausea. Yeah. And I mean, I know this is the, a podcast about like gynecology to a certain extent. So sure. I will say, you can say it all. I had my first period when I was 14 mm-hmm. and it, it can, it was and continued to be so heavy that there was something wrong. But well, my mom died when I was three and a half. So oh, I had a stepmother uh-huh. and the stepmother was very much like not. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't even tell by your tone of voice. She didn't care. <laughs> oh. Yeah. She was like, well, you know, it hurts being a woman. Like, No, but I'm like having to use like my little sister's baby doll diapers because I'm like bleeding out. So this is something I'm actually, I deal with a lot now in my head of thinking like, hey, I actually 20 years later was diagnosed with an issue that if you'd maybe taken me to get looked at. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, But anyway, yeah, that was, it's tied in for me, I think, with the whole mother thing Mm -hmm. because I didn't have a mom. So -hmm. having your first period is kind of something Mm -hmm. you would potentially go to your mom with. Yeah. So I dealt with having like severely severe periods for a very long time. Yeah. Um, Then I got older and went to doctors and some of them were horrible. Didn't know, gave me weird ideas and suggestions. And then finally, when I decided I was 33, that I wanted to have a baby. Now I was never someone who wanted to have a baby, even Mm -hmm. though I guess I just told you that when I moved to LA, I said, universe, if I can be a main company groundling and have a baby, that's what I want. But I wasn't really, I love dogs. <laughs> I'm like more of an animal person. But we'd been, I'd been married to my husband for eight years mm-hmm. at that point. And so I was 33 and I thought, let's do this. So finally I had been diagnosed with endometriosis and I'd gotten a laparoscopy, which removed 
some fibroids. Fibroids are. What is a lapros? Yeah. It's a, they put a couple holes like in your belly button and a couple small holes Mm -hmm. and then they do it. The laparoscopy means through a little camera. (laughs) Right. So it's not like they're cutting you wide open and you're all open. Right. So it's like, yeah. yeah, They just go in there and with a camera. Yeah. Do a bunch of stuff. So they did that, got rid of what they could. Then immediately, where put, was your endometriosis? Kind of everywhere, outside the uterus, out on the fallopian tubes, like mm-hmm. on the on Not the on intestines, the, on the lower intestines. Yeah, mm. and that's been a real thing. Oh, yeah, and continues to be. My whole kind I mean, of abdomen is not is a mess. So he did that when I was like twenty eight. Then, in order to preserve my fertility, he put me on the birth control pill. So this doctor's philosophy, which I worked for me, was that the birth control pill, if you take it consistently and don't even have a period when you have endometriosis, you just take it, you just go to the next pack. Uh My doctor basically shut down me having periods. The reason he did that for me was because, one, the pain made me not be able to function in life. Right. And two, every time a person with endometriosis Mm -hmm. has a period, Mm -hmm. the tissue is bleeding on your internal organs and stuff right. and causing more scar tissue and causing you to be infertile and all this sorts of stuff, right? Yes. So there are many benefits to not having a period. Yes. And when I would tell people this, they'd say, but isn't it natural you have to have a period? First of all, when you're on the pill, it's you're not really having a real period anyway. Right. right. You're having like a hormone withdrawal thing. But second of all, it's not normal for the female human body to have 12 periods a year. But why not? Because yeah. our bodies were made, first of all, to pretty much live until we were like 28. Uh-huh. Then the second thing is you would always be either pregnant or breastfeeding your cousin, sister, friend's baby. Right. And like I have a really big thing about villages, mm-hmm. whether they're caveman day villages. Maybe it wasn't caveman. Maybe it was like a few million years after that. But we're supposed to be living in villages. Yes. So if you're breastfeeding, you're not having a period. You were either always breastfeeding or having a baby because there wasn't birth control mm-hmm. or you were dead. So in other words, it's very odd for the modern women to continually be having this many periods. You're right. But so going back to fertility. So I was on the pill for quite a while, went off it, and my doctor said, okay, because of your endometriosis, which my wife also has, he said, which I liked, um, you have about six months to try to conceive because it's just going to grow back. And Oh, after the surgery. Right. Dang. So we tried all the stuff. We tried having sex. We tried, um, (laughs) that would be number one. Um, Did you like it? (laughs) I don't think that part, no. (laughs) And then six months came around and nothing had happened. So I went and got an hysteriosalpingogram. Yep. Which basically puts like an iodine solution up through your fallopian tubes. Mm -hmm. So they can see it on x-ray. So they can see if it's blocked. But the benefit of it is it also kind of sometimes opens up your fallopian tubes. Mm -hmm. So I did that. The same week that I did that, I took Clomid. Good. And then I was inseminated with my husband's sperm. The next day was Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So the doctor said, it's really tomorrow. Looking at your, looking on the ultrasound at your ovaries, it's really tomorrow that you should have sex or two days from now, but Uh you're going to be out of town. So we're going to inseminate you now, but you have to have sex on Thanksgiving. (laughs) So we were down, we were out of town. (laughs) And because the oven wasn't big enough at the house we were at, we were at a neighbor's. Oh, God. And my husband's a chef. And as he was using the turkey baster to keep the turkey moist, we went into the bathroom of the random neighbor's house and had sex. And that is how my son was 
um, conceived. Or he was conceived in Dr. Chin's office. Mm. And, and that was Either. terribly painful, I have to say. Oh, really? The insemination was I very painful hurt. for me. You're lucky. Not Yeah. 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 <laughs> One of them was like, like oh, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, probably because you're endometriosis. Yeah. Because you have fucking shit going yes, on down there. Exactly. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, so I'm happy that you got pregnant and everything... (laughs) But part of why I wanted to talk to you about was like my pregnancy was horrible and so was like the first year. I don't know why that would pertain to you, but it was comedically bad. Oh, well, I want to know more about it, but I also want to keep... so Keep asking me questions. Well, I want to come back to the Mm -hmm. pregnancy and Mm -hmm. the afterwards, but I also want to know about how the endometriosis has... Did it come back? Mm -hmm. How are you dealing with that? Yes. Having a baby and breastfeeding helped... For quite a while. Yes, because you weren't. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, something that I read today th- in those two minutes before you showed up mm-hmm. was that maybe the endometrial cells go out of the fallopian tubes and that's how they get on the totally. outside. That's how I think. And that's called retrograde menstruation. Uh-huh. It means your periods are so heavy, like I explained, yes. that there's so much can't, freaking can't blood and stuff. enough. In there that it's like every direction too much pressure and it's spurting out into your abdominal cavity that's i know i know that's yeah. how i got mine just because yes. it was so on oralissa.com which i think oralissa is some endometriosis medication it says this though the exact cause of endometriosis is unknown most scientists think it relates to the process called retrograde menstruation that's when tissue that lines the inside of your uterus flows out in the wrong direction through your fallopian tubes during your period the out-of-place tissue can cause pain and inflammation as it starts growing on surfaces and organs in your pelvic region. Region. There are other possible theories as to what can cause endometriosis, such as the immune system not destroying endometrium cells outside of the uterus the way it should, or metaplasia, where normal cells in the pelvic area change into endometrial cells, or endometrial cells forming outside of the uterus before birth in utero. During puberty, these cells form endometrial lesions. Some lesions can even form their own nerves or scar tissue called adhesions between organs, which can cause pain. (laughs) Or whatever. (laughs) So then after the, um, you stop breastfeeding eventually, or is he still breastfeeding? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wish he was, if only for the fact that my stomach was very flat. And now it's huge. And that's also called an endo belly. Is it really? Yep. And according to my doctor... My uterus is a bag of fibroids. So yes. I'm basically pregnant with like six so tell weird us balls. About fibroids. I don't know as much about them except other than that they're non-cancerous tumors. And they are growing on the inside of your uterus. Yes. And you think it's making you feel or lo- bloated. For sure. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Now my doctor's like by the way, she left her stomach out everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do an act about my stomach at the ground. Yeah, I'll send it to you. 
Um, I take it out. I'm in a dressing room. I'm trying to fit it in. I've, oh my god! Yeah, it gets. It's a very easy laugh. <laughs> so all the symptoms started coming back really just within the last couple years. Okay. And so I, I have to say that I'm grateful that I kind of had a respite. Yeah. How from do you all feel? How do you feel when you are when you're getting your period? What are well your now? Symptoms? So I'm still on the pill. Okay. Because I kind of have to be. Uh-huh. It would be just nightmare if I wasn't. Yeah. But my doctor said, like, eventually your body gets used to the pill and your endometriosis pain stuff's going to just kind of break through. Mm. So it's been pretty bad, but not as bad as the other people on the forum on Facebook that I am in that have it. I love those Facebook forums. <laughs> well, I recently joined a bunch, Good. which is really weird. <laughs> one Same is here. a bachelor one. Yeah. One no, is a, I love yes. bachelor. So bachelor melasma, um, endometriosis, and this stomach issue I'm called to talk about melasma SIBO. Too. Yeah. Oh, you you have SIBO? Apparently, but ah. apparently, anyone who's ever had any endome- any um, abdominal surgery has it. Wow, there's so many things <laughs> to, I, that I want to. There's ask so you. many things. Yeah. Okay, staying on endometriosis for one second. Let's say you're a young woman. How would you know you might have endometriosis? How would you ask your doctor about it? Why? What would, yes. What would they experience other than? I think it? doctors are better now, but at listening to when someone says, my pain does not seem normal. Right. I feel like I have to go to the emergency room. I have more pain than everybody else. Yes. I'm throwing up. I'm blacking <gasps> out. I'm that fainting. That can happen? Yes. I'm dying. <laughs> and... You know, another question. I saw that there are stages of endometriosis. Were you given a stage? I think I was. And mine was so, okay. There was a one, two, three, four. I think mine was a four. Whoa, baby. But what did they tell me? They told me you can have a one, but have more pain than a four. Because it's all about where it is. Same website says endometriosis is sometimes categorized into four stages from one, which is minimal, to four, which is severe. Each stage is based on location, amount, depth, and size of lesions. The pain associated with endometriosis may not be related to the stage of the disease. For example, a woman with stage one endometriosis could have significant pain or very very mild pain. So I'm not sure, but mine was bad. Yeah. It was really bad. And it was sad because it was like wow i was so mean to myself all those years because i listened to all those women i have to say women and men who said period you just just buck up period pain is bad and it's like no i have a fucking disease we're all sitting here hanging out but you didn't know no you just thought you were weak or or what did you think that there was was something wrong yes that i was weak and that i was overly sensitive Mm -hmm. and that i was um a complainer And then I was um, not as tough as other people. And actually, (laughs) takes many years to realize these things, but I'm actually tougher than quite a few people because I have to live my life as some of these things are happening. Yeah. So it's too bad that we learned some of these um, huge life messages much later (laughs) than when we could use them. But yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I could have used all this knowledge way back when. (laughs) (laughs) So those were all just kind of like weird, dark days yeah would it be for the whole period or just Mm -hmm. a day or two i'm very lucky i never experienced cramps until i was in maybe my early 30s 35 very lucky yeah and when i do now it's just one or two days tops yeah you're lucky i'm so lucky yeah i never understood i actually never understood why women i always thought women were Weak, yeah. honestly. Oh, yeah. I'm that asshole. Not weak, but I always just like was like, stop using that as an excuse, everybody. I'm a fucking asshole. Well, you would have to have felt what it feels I just, yeah, like I didn't, to yeah, have I didn't known. Know. I didn't know. Because it's blinding. Yeah. 
it's paralyzing. Well, like I'm, I'm sure if I had a friend who actually experienced yeah. something like that, I would have. Yeah. And I had friends and I'd call them and I'd cry and I'd be like, I don't know what's happening or going on or I need someone to come over or whatever. And we'd just kind of like go through it. But it's not fair that you had to go through that without, you know, for yeah. so long without knowing. Anyway. And is that always the procedure they, they do? The leprosy? It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My doctor now said, I said, I think it's coming back. It's getting worse. And he's like, we're not going to do another. And I said, I'm getting these stomach issues. Right. So I've been getting these stomach issues once every couple months that are... <laughs> Okay. You can talk about them and I can, I've got mine too. So, okay. Well, yeah. what happens is because of all the scar tissue, right? right? My intestines sometimes get not tangled, but like twisted uh-huh. or this or that. Uh-huh. So I think everything like just builds up, nothing happens. And then my body's like, holy shit, like we got to expel this. Yeah. So it does everything in its might to expel it, which basically means like Mount St. Helens diarrhea. Yeah. 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 But out of nowhere, we could be sitting <gasps> here right now. Oh my God. And it could happen. So I live with that absolute. Even if you weren't like constipated for a couple of days. I, I think now I'm starting to learn a little bit, but it happened on a hike at Runyon Canyon. <laughs> then, so I've got, I went, the first couple times it happened, I went to the emergency room. Oh my they God. took my blood and my white blood cells oh, was that bad? were the so diarrhea? high. Oh yeah, I was fainted because I lost so much fluids, <gasps> like blacked out. Because my body, my immune system is like really on point. It's like. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, yeah, my body puts on full court press, all the white blood cells, everything. And then as soon as it's out, like an hour later, I'm totally fine. Thank God for diarrhea, but also (sighs) sorry. Yes. Being a performer, that's kind of scary. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 And it's a once every few months. Yeah. Could be today. Could be going home. Probably not, but (laughs) I teach improv, right? Right. And I really like a lot of my students. And one of my students is this really cool guy and He's really into the power of like manifesting and positive thinking. Mm-hmm. And he kind of travels around the world, I think managing properties, but also <laughs> just doing really cool things and being very positive and whatever. He's this really sweet guy. So we kept saying like, when you're in LA, we have to meet for coffee. We have to meet for coffee. We have to meet for coffee. Never happened. So finally, I'm like, next time you're in LA, why don't you stay at my house? I have an extra room. So it's great. He's going to come and stay. And this is going to be so fun. And we're going to talk about positive thinking. And this is all going to yes. be great. And we're going to go on a hike at Runyon. <laughs> and we start walking. And yes, in this case, my stomach was so bloated that it was just something's <gasps> off. And I said, and I don't know this person. And I even har- hardly know them. I taught them in one improv class and I asked them to stay at my house. <laughs> like, I have a problem. <laughs> so I say something's severely wrong with me. I think I'm going to blow, basically. Oh my God. And we walk back to the car. We have to pull over. <gasps> I go massive water diarrhea on a hillside, like off Mulholland. And he's like, at one point, I just saw that you're, I couldn't see your head anymore. So I thought maybe you had fainted. Oh, my God. We go home. I'm throwing up. He's like rubbing my back. I don't know him. He calls my my husband. Um, But then I'm better in like an hour. So you were shitting outside. Mm -hmm. Were there, could you see anybody else? I didn't see people. But at that point, there's nothing you can do about it. Right, right, right. (laughs) Oh, boy. So you weren't shitting in your pants. That's lucky. Yeah. I guess. I've never in, done like, that. I always find a place. Pants. I've yeah. sharded. Oh, a lot of people. Have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, this is bad. But so I carry, I'm like, oh, I'm going to carry adult diapers with me, like on airplanes and stuff, just yes. in case it happens. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, because I am a live performer. Yeah. And uh, often, like how many shows do you do? A lot. Like four shows a weekend sometimes. But also, I recently did a solo show, which was me <laughs> on stage after like you know like what if you that had happened to, you'd have to just do it 
No, oh it's too God. painful, though. I don't know. It's all really scary. Yeah. Okay, so then <laughs> pregnancy. You got pregnant. Okay. Hallelujah. So I took a pregnancy test. Somebody's driving a motorcycle outside. Oh, is that what it, that was? I thought it, I thought it chainsaw. was a chainsaw. It's a chainsaw, chainsaw massacre. Oh, you're right. That's, it's a chainsaw. And I that's... A lot of people compare endometriosis pain to chainsaws. They do. They see it feels here. like chainsaws. How do people know what chainsaws feel like? <laughs> Very good question. Okay, so being pregnant was really horrible. What happened? I took a pregnancy test. It said negative, and I put it in the trash. Oh. The next day, I looked at it for some reason, and it was pregnant. Mm. And so I went in, and I was pregnant. Little little creature <laughs> and tiny little thing. And I got worried because I had no morning sickness. And I don't know why I was worried, but none. And then I was also having, and this is embarrassing to admit, but we've already gone so many places. Why not? <laughs> orgasms in my sleep. No, that was an orgasm and then super painful cramping after oh. it. I remember calling my doctor and he's like, just enjoy it. <laughs> and I'm like, no, something feels weird. So he's like, well, you know, it sounds like you might be low on progesterone and we can give you some. So the next day, my husband and I. Does your son know that you had orgasms? Oh, God, no. And I will never discuss an orgasm with my son, even though he's had human growth and development. That is not a place I will go. So we go to my husband. and I go to this horrible Chinese place. We eat. And when I come home from eating, I am hit with nausea that is like, you know, severe food poisoning. Oh, my God. Well, turns out it wasn't the food poisoning. The hormones had kicked in and didn't go away for a good six months. Did you have, um, what's it called? Uh, gravidarium, whatever, emesis, yeah. that the, yeah. all the, the princess. Hyperemesis hemesis gravidarium. gravidarium. Almost. It sounds But not as like bad. It. So my life for six months was feeling like, this is how I describe it, on a boat, but in like steerage, like in the pilgrim days, like in the bottom, because yeah. I was super poor. Um... <laughs> And hungover at the same time. Oh, no. Back and forth, just like seasick. Oh, no. But really bad. So bad that I wished I wasn't pregnant. And also it made me really depressed. And, you know, I was like, I probably just threw my career away from having a baby anyway. Um, And so now now I can't even go on auditions, even though Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm just a wreck. I'm just, you know. It was very bad. I know someone who's, you know, hoping to get pregnant might hear that and think, well, you're lucky that you had that, but then get hungover and go on a boat and tell me your thoughts. Cause it was like being on a boat in your own house. Like you just, you couldn't, I couldn't, it was non-functional. There was a time when I couldn't drink, even drink water. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Even thinking about it is scary. And the career portion was interesting because I'd had a friend at that time who had just got cast on Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. And, um... (laughs) I had, and she had come to LA for her first red carpet event for some movie Mm -hmm. and she was staying at my house. And so she was literally getting dressed for the red carpet event and I was throwing up peach yogurt and she was like, should I, should I get Steve? That's my husband. Like, what should I do? And nothing against her. She's great. But it was just such a delineation of two paths. Whoa. Why am, why did I do this to myself? Right, right, right. So it was very bad and dark. And then it. There was a brief moment where it was pleasant. Yeah. Um, but in the moments where I couldn't eat and couldn't function, we went in to the doctor and he did an ultrasound and there's this perfectly healthy baby bouncing around and jumping around. So it was like it was taking everything from me. It was ravaging me. Wow. I mean, it was like I felt it, it's it's odd that a person can feel so bad and be a host to this 
creature yeah. that's thriving. I wonder if there's any correlations uh, where people could predict whether or not they would have hyperemesis gravidarum or whatever, like that, or severe. Yeah, nausea. I don't know. Like maybe there is like a correlation with endometriosis or something. There could be. So then there was a period of time when it was like, okay. And then he got so big. Um, he was 11 pound baby. <gasps> so, and I'm not a huge person. So it, he was massive. So I had to wear a, a harness. Oh my God. And I couldn't walk. And it was very how bad. How many weeks? Oh. Just right at the end? Or, or Oh no, I was like 100% effaced at like seven months. And like effaced ready to what? go. Um, like their head is in the right position? No, that the cervix is completely flat. And like it's yeah. it's um oh it's normally like thick long. and it thins out mm. oh wow and I was three centimeters dilated at seven months yeah but you just had to walk around hoping it wouldn't fall out basically oh my god yeah and if it had it would have been fine because he was probably like seven pounds yeah <laughs> and that's another thing that I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about because it's just it was really the whole thing was really bad <laughs> yeah I'm sorry <laughs> and too big. So, finally, the doctor's like, a baby grows a pound a week now at this point, And yeah. your baby is registering 10 and a half pounds at this point. Right. And your due date's not for two more weeks. <laughs> so I'm going to strip your membranes. Mm-hmm. So that's where they go in and basically with their hand, they kind of strip the what the baby's in. Oh, the amniotic sac? Yeah. Uh-huh, they pop it. Yes. Maybe. And that's going to, you're going to have a baby then. Yeah. And we go, this is just a different side of... <laughs> childbirth yeah yeah yeah. um it's gnarly and i know it's different it, you know again for someone who really wants to have a child and and there are people who have wonderful experiences yeah. and i wish i did i did i really do wish i did but um it was horrifying so we go in for some reason my doctor did not say you're gonna have a planned c-section anyone whose baby was that big would have been a planned c-section i don't know and for some also crazy reason i was like oh no i can do it i can envision it just sliding out yeah. You know, I was nine and a half pounds. My mom did it with no I was big medication. Too. Yeah. Nine and a half. So I go in and I try for like, I don't know, like 15 hours or something. <laughs> and then finally, it's like, you have to have a C-section. Oh my God. And I have a video of it. And I do play it during a comedy show that I do because <laughs> it is so bad that you can only laugh. <laughs> What's What part of, is it? Of the- well, my doctor prides himself on making such a small incision that it mimics vaginal birth. So it was like this big. So my body is being shaken by two surgeons. Right. Shaken as hard as it can. And of course, it rips, too. He's taking a video. My husband. <laughs> and they keep telling him it's not legal, you can't. And so he has to put it away at a certain point. But um, tons of blood, just like oceans of blood. Yes. And he comes out, he's over 11, he's 11 pounds. Yeah. And they're all like, oh, my God. And the, and the incision ripped. The incision the ripped. Of course. The whole time, okay, the amount of panic and fear that I was having during that time was most situations that are really scary to you, you can like maybe walk out of the room or make a different decision. Mm -hmm. Like I was trapped. I couldn't decide like I don't want to have a baby anymore. Yeah. Or I want to wait. Yeah. I was trapped. Yeah. And like strapped down. And were not, you experiencing a panic attack? Oh, beyond. Oh, okay. but I was on like Demerol and oh. tons of stuff. Mm. I was like shaking out of fear, probably in the drugs. Yeah. So they bring him to me and they say, "Do you want to hold him?" And, and I say, "You haven't eaten." No, right. And did you have to have a? a did you do an? an uh, what's it called? A I did an epidural and then whatever they give you for a, a C-section on top of it. Right. Okay. So they hand me the baby and say, "Do you, it's your baby? Do you want to hold it?" And I say, "No." <laughs> 
And I was just in this weird, like, drug fog of, like, what just happened. And I guess I loved it, kind of. But then I immediately, like, was immediate postpartum depression. Because it was like, I feel horrible. And then I feel horrible for feeling horrible. Yeah, I know. This should be the happiest day of my life. And literally, it was the worst day of my life. (laughs) So... This is exactly what I needed, actually. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> I was at the dog park, and oh they're God. like, oh, when I got my dog, it was the best day of my life, some woman said. And then she looked at me. She's like, well, you have a child, so I'm sure that was your best day. And I'm like, that was the worst day, <laughs> the most trapped, awful, petrifying, science fiction, <gasps> Game of Thrones style. I want to see this video. Fear, you will, and it's horrible. Oh, my God. So then they say, we're going to take the baby, and we're going to put you in recovery and I'm immediately only worried about myself yes which is weird and bad but I'm like what's happening what will I do in recovery because I'm like can barely talk someone drugs and they're like we're just gonna make sure you're not hemorrhaging and I'm like where would I hemorrhage from my vagina (laughs) that's on the thing I'm panicking and they bring me to a room and the next thing I remember is the most wonderful peaceful Everything is going to be okay feeling I've ever had in my life. I felt like I was floating down a river. What? I think I was on my way to dying. Stop it. (laughs) Or they'd given me more medication. No, I think I was. Oh, my God. Okay, because listen to what happens. And if that is what it feels like to die, then I'm really excited. Because (laughs) I went, it had to have been drugs, but I went from panic times a million to like, I'm not no longer of this earth and I'm floating down a river. Oh my God. And it's just bliss. Bliss. Oh my God. So I wake up, they're trying to get me to like breastfeed. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I don't even want anything to do with any of this. I don't have a mom that's there helping me. You know, my husband and I are trying to like figure it out. My whole body is like ravaged wreck and everything's okay. And then my dad comes to visit and he's a doctor. Well, he was there and um, this sucks he noticed what like the other doctors or somebody had not picked up on that my blood pressure or something was like frighteningly low. So I was, I had lost way too much blood and that's why I think I was possibly dying. Yes. Yes. So they brought me to the ICU and the only thing different in the ICU is that a woman comes in and washes your vagina with warm water. (laughs) (laughs) That was nice. And they don't really make you take care of the baby as much. Did they... they, they Oh, that's... But it was in a panic. It was like, we're taking you to the ICU. And I was like, why? What's wrong with me? I mean, it was just a fucking nightmare. Get me out of here. I thought you were going to say something like about internal bleeding or something. No, it was all... I don't know what had happened. But um, it wasn't enough blood loss to constitute a... Transfusion. But it almost was. It was kind of like, do you want one? I don't know. You could or you couldn't. You'll probably be <laughs> I'm not okay. A fucking doctor. Yeah. Oh so then God. I spent a week at the hospital with the baby, and I remember my a legs week because you were yes. all fucked up. Because and because of yeah, and because oh, it was yeah. a C-section. And then I remember the doctor came in and checked me out, and I was he could tell I was just, and he just looked at me. and He was like, "It, it gets better." Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so that's my it gets better. And is that your story? Is that the extent of your postpartum depression? No, or, or God, no. no. Okay, no, that's no, the, just the beginning. So we go home. <laughs> this is all so bad. I just feel, I feel, oh, It's all okay. We go because home. You, you only think it's bad because nobody talks about this I know. shit. But it's not bad. It's just life and it's what happens. And had there been, again, a village or mm-hmm. had I, had yeah. I thought to hire some help? Because, again, I didn't have a mom. 
Right. To help me. Yeah. And most of my friends who've had babies do have some sort of mother figure they're doing a lot. Yes. I don't know that they realize what a big help that is. Yeah. Yeah. I was also being subtly shamed by some family members who'd popped babies out with no, with nothing. Right. um, For having had a C-section. Yeah. So, okay. So I was home Mm -hmm. and my in-laws are there. They, yeah, they come when we get out of the hospital. And I'm laying in the other room in like this, that mesh underwear that they give you for like your C-section scar. Mm -hmm. And they're all drinking champagne in the other room with my son, Roan, R-O-A-N. So they're out there with him. I am in just hell in the other room and they're laughing and whatnot. And I stand up and walk out there and scream, I'm glad you're all having a fucking party while I'm trying to recover from fucking surgery. Like nobody gave a shit about me. And then I just fell to the ground, like, sobbing. I don't even think people got it in that moment. Jesus. I think it was like, wow. (laughs) Too bad she doesn't have better coping coping mechanisms. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. The following five to six to nine months (laughs) were very bad. Very bad. Mm. Um, Now, I never wanted to do anything to the baby, but I wanted to die. Oh, no. For sure. Um, Now, I didn't try to kill myself, (laughs) but I envisioned... You thought of how? Well, yes. They'd given me Percocet, and I only... Strangely, for someone who's... I really have a really high tolerance for pain. Yeah. So, I only had to take the Percocet once, but it is a really good feeling. Mm. It feels like a... Just a... One of those car... One of those trucks that rolls the cement out oh yeah it just rolls your whole body down into the mattress and you don't care about anything that sounds nice so i had severe um insomnia because i was prepared like i knew he was gonna cry at any moment and then the breastfeeding was horribly difficult Mm -hmm. he wouldn't latch on (laughs) and then um maybe i was the right person to come to talk to you today yeah and then um (laughs) i didn't like any of it i didn't all, all you think of how fun a baby shower is, and you fantasize about all the fun things. None of that. I don't. I don't, you don't give a shit for any of that. <laughs> like that is a lie for someone who has a birth like me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just like a complete like the excitement of like you don't care. Yeah. There's many things I would have done differently in retrospect. I mean, I would have gotten help, and I would have not worried so much about him sleeping. Like, I used to watch him, like, you have to take a nap now, because somebody said you have yes. to be on a schedule. Yeah. But in retrospect, I would have done what people do around the world, which is you go about your day, you strap them to you, and they sleep when they sleep. Right. You don't sit there and, like, force someone to sleep that's right. not going to fall asleep. Right. So I finally had one instance where I simultaneously loved him more than anything in the world. He was wearing a little Hawaiian shirt and my husband was graduating from culinary school mm-hmm. and there was a, what's the, a luau. Uh-huh. And it was in Pasadena and I was driving and Roan, my son, was very easy. I always tell everyone he was Aww. super easy, but I was a complete wreck. Yeah. But for the first time ever, he was crying nonstop because he didn't want to be in a car seat. He was very much a baby and I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And the feeling that I got was simultaneously, it's so hard to say. Oh, my God. Okay. At the very same time, I love this little person more than anything else in the world and want to be the best thing for them. And they're more important than anything. And I also want to, like, take it and throw it out the window of the car. But the moment you have the thought 
the, the second, almost simultaneously, of having the thought of wanting to do something like that, the guilt and shame is like a tsunami. <sighs> so we arrived at the luau, and I was I had to take Steve aside. It was This was like definitely my rock bottom, even worse than giving birth. Mm. I was like, I can't even, ex- I, I just think of the worst PMS you've had times infinity. So we got in the car and left and like somehow found a psychiatrist like immediately. Mm, Good. And I went and he was like, first of all, the lack of sleep that you're having is like what people use for torture. So like, because I wanted to launch into all this stuff for him. Like, I don't have a mom and I think I'm dealing with this. He's like, no, no, no. We're not going to psychoanalyze. Like physically, you're not like you're recovering from surgery. You're not sleeping. So he said, like, you need you and your husband need to prioritize your sleep or else like you're not going to survive. Yeah. You know, that's so smart. And he put all this importance on the whole like you need to take care of yourself first because Ron was great. Mm-hmm. The thing about him, he was so big. He was never one of those fragile babies. He was like came out holding his head up. Mm-hmm. So he was <laughs> he was strong and thriving. He's a little nor- uh, Nordic. Biking. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a really dark day. The psychiatrist was awesome. He was so, like, I felt 50% better just being validated. And then he put me on Zoloft, I think. Mm -hmm. And then I just slowly began to feel so much better. And now, with I'd say by the time of his first birthday, I did not have postpartum depression anymore at all, not even close, and was great and happy. And now it's it's easy and fun, like super easy and fun. (laughs) Great kid. Beyond great. Oh my gosh. And easy. Aww, I know. It's very, so oh my God. But so that was, there, there have been times where, you know, yeah, as a mom, it's just been hard. But I think despite having, like I said, some family members and in laws not being super supportive and kind of championing the other daughter in law who mm-hmm. would have birth and be like, I could go back and do it right now, literally said that. And I'd be sitting on the couch and she'd be there and they'd say, isn't so-and-so amazing? Isn't she amazing? You know, and I'm not the kind of person that likes to blame things, but it's an, in- so I want to look at what my part in this is. Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps I'm extra sensitive because I don't have a mom. Um, I'm extra sensitive to mother figures, but I, it's such, I'm, it's such an interesting target to pick on the one that had to go through the surgery and to pick on the one that doesn't have the mom and to pick on the one that was in extra pain. You're not extra sensitive. Those people are insensitive. Yes. They don't understand and they don't have empathy and they only understand their own experience. But you know what the good news is? And this is going back to what I said before of like, I, there's so many lessons I wish I'd learned not when I was 45, <laughs> but I'm in a place in my life now where like all these things have been vindicated and yes. the other people have kind of failed yeah, okay. in ways that are either seen or not seen right, right, right. and are not the kindest people right. or warmest people or right. most, most compassionate people. And also my son, well, he is just a great thriving person. Yeah. And I mother him the way, cause I had a grandma who kind of helped me mm-hmm. out when my mom died. And then mm-hmm. throughout when I had the stepmom, I mother him like, I was mothered by her and it that was a huge gift I don't yes. know if I would have been able to be a mom because she was super loving and mm-hmm. just like cuddly and wonderful she was a grandma but she also was good at disciplining me when yeah. I needed to be and yeah. my son and I have I think a uniquely close relationship yeah um and I love that and there's none of that fake mother child I don't talk baby talk to him I mean I probably talked to him a little bit like that at the beginning but He's a, he's a, I'm not going to say he's an equal, but we look at each other like human beings. 
I love that. So that's how I want to be. Yeah, and you will. <laughs> you will. <laughs> you know, because good things happen out of struggle. <laughs> they do. And like my story is a story of someone who got pregnant, but it was a story of to have been given that gift and feel as bad as I felt and have it be as hard as I was with so much self-loathing. Mm-hmm. And, and also, so that's why I only have one child. <laughs> yeah. And it's also when I meet people who say, um, I don't know if I want to have kids. I'm the first person to say, like, don't. Yeah. Because um, it's not, why? Yeah. You don't need to. I love it when people, I feel <laughs> jealous of anybody that knows for sure they don't want kids. They yeah. don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> so I can really relate to you with, um, and you probably can also relate to this part too, my career. Yeah. Because I feel jealous of people who don't want to be an actor mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. don't want to be a creative person and make a living off that. Same. In most every other industry, you do A, B, C, and you do recently well, and you can get a job. Yeah. With this, it, there is not a correlation of how hard you work or mm-hmm. even how good you are. So I feel jealous of, of someone who's like, you know, I'm so happy being whatever it is I am. I don't yeah. have that desire. In fact, apart for part of my like picking a sperm donor, mm-hmm. it's like I definitely want a creative child, but also I know it's torture. Mm-hmm. So there was like wondering whether or not I should pick the engineer or the mm-hmm. finance guy or the musician mm-hmm. with all the talents that mm-hmm. I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my last only question yeah. is, are you excited for menopause? Because oh my god, okay. Because yes. does that stop the endo? Yes. Hell yes. Yeah. So <laughs> menopause stops the endo. I mean, I'm scared for the, and it also stops the fibroids. It okay. stops everything and the melasma. Cool. I guess. I it mean, just, I already have lots of chin hairs that I have to pluck. Uh-huh. I've got one that comes out. I love it. It's well, like, you're young, so you're, there's going to be more, and, and then you'll I, start getting eyebrows that are really long. Oh, nice and stuff too. <laughs> So it just goes away. So you're okay. In your mind, you're okay with the idea of menopause. Yeah, I don't want the menopause side effects. Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you can get off the, um, the... I don't love or want my uterus anymore either. And my doctor's like, just have a hysterectomy. Like, it's super easy. But I don't think it is. I think it's a pretty Yeah, I wonder about out, that. Right? I think that is a thing that people do. They have hysterectomy. Lena Dunham, didn't she do that? Yes. At 28 or 29. God, she's that young. Wow. She just was like, I know I don't want kids and I want to stop this fucking pain and nobody believes me. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you so much for telling me all that stuff. It it is what I needed. It's what I needed, honestly. Like, I don't. But whatever it is, you can make it through. But I do think you have to change the questions you ask the universe and the way you put it. I mean, this is a whole other world that I don't... it's a whole other conversation. Tell me me what to talk to the universe about after we hang up. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think this was very helpful for me, and and I hope it's... I I bet it's helpful for some listeners out there, too. I hope so, yeah. Because, I mean, I do have a friend who I've been like, have you ever asked your doctor about endometriosis? And and she doesn't pay attention to that kind of stuff. There are certain things that can help it. Yeah. Be an advocate for yourself. Yeah, Because nobody else is going to be. Yeah. Do you want, like, people to find you on the internet and shit? Oh, sure. (laughs) Um, And come to your shows? You can find me, like, go to the Groundlings website. Ariane Press. I have a blog, which um, is called Tales of a Real Hollywood Mom. Um, and it's on Tumblr. So if you just type in Tales of a Real Hollywood Mom dot Tumblr dot something, it'll just come up. And if you want to see lots of pictures of my dog, who is really unique and worth looking at. But you can go to Ariane Price on Instagram. 
Perfect. Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> and then soon, because I'm in a positive mode, you'll be seeing me on TV and lots of other places. So That's hell right. Yeah. <laughs> hell yes. Hell yes. Hell yes. And, and then if not, I won't be around. <laughs> like, I mean, I'll be in a different state or something. Yeah, she's going to move. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So, hey, here's your assignment for the week. If you know someone who experiences very painful periods, talk to them about endometriosis just in case they haven't, you know, talked to their doctor about it. I hate to think about people out there suffering quietly and thinking they're just not as tough as everyone else. Here's another assignment for you. Subscribe, rate, and review already. Are you kidding me? Have you not done that? I mean, it's the simplest thing you could do. It doesn't have to be like a well-written review. It's anonymous. You just write in some weird name. You know what? Here's another assignment for you. Go to my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash spermcast and become a patron so I can keep making this podcast because if I can't start to make some real money off this puppy, I'm going to have to get a real job so I can pay for more fertility treatments. Hell yes, your dollar could be the one dollar that keeps me and this podcast alive. Of course, if you can't do it, I completely understand. It's not a big deal. But, like, do it, you fucking guys. Anyway, thank you, Ariane Price, for being my guest and completely distracting me from all of my woes. You were exactly what I needed. Hey, and here's the thing I want to do every week from now on. I want to say what I'm grateful for because I just like to do that. And um, let's see. I didn't – this is not prepared. Um, I – Okay, I went to my acupuncturist today, and that was lovely. She's just so wonderful. J. Ron Lashai. I edited a funny episode of Web Crawlers, the uh, other podcast I, I edit, and you all should listen to that. What else? I ate some very delicious vegan, gluten-free, yeast-free bread that I bought at the farmer's market on Saturday for 16 fucking dollars. <laughs> but it was great. And on that toasted bread, I put fake butter and peanut butter on one, and it was delicious. And on the other, I put fake butter and star anise jam that my friend Genevieve gave me on my birthday. Genevieve is a real chef, people. I feel energetic today. That's good. Okay, I'm done. Got anything to say about the podcast? Leave me a voicemail at 323-741-1818. That's 323-741-1818. Or text me at the same number. Or you can email spermcast at gmail.com. Want to follow me on social? I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at spermcast. Patrons, oh my god, I want to thank my new patrons. Hold on. Oh my goodness, we're at $590, $10 away from $600 a month. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Camilla Stewart. Thank you, Yellowbird, for upping your pledge. Thank you, Stephanie Corwin. Thank you, Marissa Lanterman. This week on the Patreon, you're going to have, like I said, that conversation I had with my mom with all of her questions about mosaicism and chromosomes and all of that stuff. Plus, I'm going to put up my results from the PGTA testing with all the details. And this week, we'll have the results of the rebiopsy. Oy vey. But you patrons will be the first to hear those results, you know, after I call my mom. Okay, I'm done for the day, and I'm feeling okay, so, um, you know, I hope you're feeling okay, too, and this wasn't too hard on your little heart, because I worry about you guys almost as much as you worry about me, and I, I don't even know some of you, but I just, I feel your worry. Oh, my God. This is sick. <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next week. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. From gay, straight, black to white. Tiny ass with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast.
powered by ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.